here we are. It's our Q&A. Q&A. It's Q&A. People have sent us questions. A lot of them. Yes, and we're going to answer them, but we should ask them a question. (laughs) That's how we should start the show. And how do they answer this question? By saying it. (laughs) Okay, so they'll say it out loud, uh, but we won't know the answer, but it might make them feel better. I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ask the question. How are you feeling tonight? (laughs) Woo, it's great to be back here in Brooklyn. Yeah, in Brooklyn. In our home office (laughs) studio. Just this morning, I passed by the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, the kitchen. Yeah. That's where I eat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, it's really great to be here, everyone. It's really fantastic. I, I'm so excited. Here here comes a few good ones. One, two, three, four. Welcome to No Dogs in Space, everybody. I'm Marcus Sparks. I'm Carolina Hidalgo. This is so nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. But it's who we are, darling. Yeah, exactly. Can't really get away from that, unfortunately. We really can't. Uh, this is our Q&A episode, uh, of course, Thanks so much to everybody for uh, listening to the first season and for all the kind words about the first season. We got so many great emails uh, from people that were were into what we do and were following us the whole way and uh, we're down with the journey. So thank you so much uh, for listening, everybody. It it means a lot to hear everybody's kind words. It's been amazing. I've been trying to catch up on uh, lots of emails and just writing back as much as I can to as many people as possible. It's, It's really cool. And I'm really glad that we, actually got a bunch of questions and so like we should just answer them let's just get into yeah, it yeah that's all we do right yeah that's that's and all- then we can just i don't know well we're already home so <laughs> then we can just hang out in, yeah. in our underwear yeah then we can go get our covid test and then we're good okay cool yeah. <laughs> sounds good all right our first question is from uh and i apologize if i uh pronounce anyone's name wrong uh but the first one is from celine razavi uh, and her question is, you two said you decided to discuss the Screamers when originally planning to cover a different band instead. So what was the other band? Oh, right. <laughs> and we got actually we got this question from a lot of people. Uh, sh- should we tell them? Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can. But let's just also say that as we were going along throughout the whole season, we usually knew what we were going to do, but we kept changing things up a little bit here and there. So the 10th band was definitely a I'm hyping it up too much. OK, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess at first we should kind of talk about a little bit about, you know, the the selection of the bands, because the whole show, the genesis of the show came from the two of us. Uh... You're driving everyone crazy. It was, it was Nirvana. It was Nirvana. We were we're going to do Nirvana. We're going to do Nirvana, yeah. And, but then it just didn't make sense, yeah. right? Anymore. It really didn't make sense because that, that was our because our, our kind of plan was like, you know, what does it all amount to? What right. does punk all amount to? Uh, and, you know, we thought like, okay, it didn't amounts to Nirvana. Nirvana was the punk band that broke. You know, punk broke in Seattle in 1991 with Nirvana. So, you know, it was sort of the logical conclusion for a story uh, of punk, one story of punk. Right. As we said before, it's not a completist kind of story. I mean, there's so much that, you know, we had to leave out. I mean, we only have so many hours on the show. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It was the conclusion to our our story of punk. But when we uh, started working on the Screamers mini episode, that's when actually Carolina realized that the Screamers were actually the end to our story of punk. Like the Screamers were actually a better fit for the story that we wanted to tell, which, you know, I won't go over it again, but, you know, that's, you know, the entire end of the show, you know, the thing 
that I wrote at the end like that, that was, uh, you know, the, the logical conclusion. Uh, but you know how the whole thing started off was the two of us uh, in the backyard of a bar uh, that actually is closed now, Diamond Bar uh, in Greenpoint. And uh, we just did a list of, you know, 15 bands or so that we thought would be good for this. That was what? A year and a half ago, almost two years ago now. Yeah, almost two years yeah, ago. Yeah, almost two years ago. Yeah, that we started with that list, and you know, and we ended up doing a lot of the bands uh, that we originally had on that list. Like the Misfits were on that list. Joy Division was on that list. Joy Division was always uh, planned to be near the end of the series, uh, but a couple of the bands on that list uh, that were, you know, we were originally going to do did not make it to the show, and we'll answer that question here in a bit. Ooh, okay. Is that the next question? <laughs> the next question is from Colin Trainer, Big fan of the pod, he said. I've been listening since the Stooges series and have found some new artist songs I really enjoy from the show. Uh, and, you know, the first question that he has a couple of questions. How did you decide which bands to cover in each series? Uh, that's the first one. Really, how we decided, I mean, it had to be a band that we both enjoyed. Um, yeah, or at I, or the very at least, least you were curious about. Or yeah, something along that uh, those lines. Because Suicide was a band that I only knew from you, mm -hmm. but I was like, okay, let's go for this. Let's just do this. And yeah. that was in the beginning anyway. So I, I felt like, well, we have no choice but to do Suicide. <laughs> well, I mean, really, it it had to be bands with good songs and a good story, uh, and that was really it. And to make sure that there's enough content for us to use. Yeah. Because there are a lot of obscure bands that people definitely wrote to us and recommended, like, why don't you tell this story and that story? It's like, well, we would love to, except that maybe there isn't enough sources on it or enough articles or books. I mean, there were no books on the Screamers, but we still had to pull it together. Mm -hmm. uh, and Dead Kennedys famously... Oh, that doesn't have any books after the first album. So that was a whole bunch of work that we had to do with that. So, yeah. So basically, to answer your question is that we have to make sure it's a good story, mm -hmm. good songs, and uh, there's enough content. Yeah. A and we also had to make sure we kind of liked the members a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There had to, yeah. There ha well, there has to be a bit of charm. You know, yes. to the bands. Uh, yeah. And, you know, even though we don't really like most of the members of the Misfits, there's certainly a charm to the Misfits. Yes. I mean, it's fun to work with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun to work with Danzig, especially just telling the stories the way I tell them. Like, that's very fun. Yeah. There were other recommend, uh, suggestions, really, that were not as much fun to us, like uh, like Gigi Allen. Yeah. A lot of people asked about Gigi Allen. We're never going to do Gigi Allen. <laughs> But you can start your own Gigi Allen podcast. You totally can. Yes. Yeah, because Gigi Allen, it's like it comes down to like the music's not that good and he's a fucking dickhead. It just won't be very funny. It just won't be very. Yeah, he's just he's a, an extraordinarily unlikable person. Uh, and number one, the music's just not that good. I mean, don't talk to me. It's a fine punk song, but that's the best is that it's a, he wrote one fine punk song, at least in our in our opinion, in our music taste. If you love Gigi Allen's music, more power to you. But our personal taste is just... It just doesn't fit with a No Dogs kind of theme that we're going with. No. And as well as like... But there were also other bands like, like Black Flag. We talked about Black Flag so much that we should have just done them. 
because we went back and forth constantly. It was a weekly basis of like, when should we put a black flag in? Where, at what point should we do it later? Yeah. That seemed to be what the consensus was. At the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do it later. Let's just do it later. Yeah. Because, I mean, what it kind of came down to uh, was uh, at the end of it, because, you know, a lot of people, I think, are kind of operating under the misapprehension that this is a punk podcast. Uh, and it's really not. It's a music podcast. You know, the, the further seasons are going to be different genres, of course. Uh, and when it came to punk, you know, we decided to do 10 bands because uh, you can only tell so many stories about a van. Is how I yeah. said it, put it before. Uh, and it kind of got to be where we were starting to see the same story over and over again with different variations. Uh, and we just didn't want to tell the same story over and over again. That's true. I mean, there's still a lot other bands that we might, we, we were like looking into, of course. And of course. I mean, there there's definitely the whole minor threat Fugazi of course. Yes. We want to talk about that one day. <laughs> of course. And I know we didn't do the Sex Pistols, but I'm glad we didn't do the Sex Pistols. I'm also glad we didn't do the Sex we, Pistols. We did Sid and Nancy. That was a fun one. Yeah, that was enough. <laughs> uh, and it was fun to tell the story of the Sex Pistols uh, in kind of a sideways fashion because they were so involved with so many other bands that we actually did tell the story we did. of the Sex Pistols <laughs> through every other band because they were so integral to everything. Yeah, we used England's Dreaming by John Savage a lot, yeah. which is a, it was story on the sex pistols and it's a huge book but we still used it a lot <laughs> even though we didn't do the sex pistols there were lots of others i, I think we we talked about bad brains uh, mm -hmm. circle jerks Minutemen. Yeah. that was definitely on the list for a while and then it fell off because i think we forgot or something <laughs> uh the saints x-ray specs uh death we talked about death too and the plugs i still want to do the plugs we can do the plugs yes we, yeah. we got to do some i mean it doesn't not because they're Hispanic, okay? Because I don't like to get booked that way either. But they just happen to be Hispanic, and I think that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, and they're a great fucking band. So yes, that because and that's not to say that we're never going to cover a punk band ever again. That's not true at all. We're probably going to return to it to some of these bands. Oh in yeah, the future. I mean we're going to talk about Gun Club a lot. Remember yeah. Remember we said with the '90s alternative or mm -hmm. or whatever season that will be <laughs> <laughs> yeah of course uh so we just need to take a bit of a break from punk for a bit yeah. as i'm sure you know a lot of you probably need to as well why not <laughs> and speaking of which uh colin's last question is which genres are you most excited for in future seasons Ooh, I've been talking about Mozart, but no one wants to do it. It's just going to be hard to find the clips. <laughs> you, you know, that is true. It's, I listen to classical music more than I listen to anything else because I'm reading all the time. Yeah. And in that I need to. So I got really big into classical music last year. <laughs> like Bach, Handel, I love him. And so, but the stories are very interesting. The music's obviously very good, but you're right. I can't. It's because I don't, we can't do it, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Well, maybe one day. Maybe we'll be good enough one day. You never know. One day. I mean, the way I see a lot of bands on, you know, here on, on No Dogs in Space is kind of how I saw a lot of stuff with Last Podcast on the Left, where it's like we weren't ready to do JFK until episode 400. Right. Like, <laughs> I kind of yeah. feel like with No Dogs, like we, we need to be ready. Like, I, honestly, like, I don't think if we would have chosen Joy Division as like the second or third band, I don't think it would have worked. Like, we had to be ready to do Joy Division. That's true. Which was why yeah. I specifically wanted Joy Like, I, from the beginning, like, Joy Division is band number nine. Like, yeah. I, I knew that from the beginning because I knew we had to get good enough to cover a band of that caliber. 
Or to cover a story of that caliber, really. That's more what it is. Yeah, our, our friend, or actually our new friend, Alan Arkish, who we interviewed in Rock and Roll High School, we were talking to him a couple of weeks ago, and he said something that's so true. He says, you guys get better yeah. every week. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you, Alan. Thank you. You're right. Because I was so awkward. Because I, ne- I never knew how to write and how to perform a semi-scripted show. So it was like, thank you. <laughs> so you're right. We need to get better to get to the next thing. Uh, I know we talked about doing uh, country or outlaw country. Country, I very much. I want to do Willie Nelson so bad I can fucking taste it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, country is definitely going to be up there. Yeah. And then I, I, who knows what else? I honestly... I. I know we we throw a lot of ideas around we constantly. Do. We're always thinking of something. So I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about doing like a pop season. You know, like talk about you know like Madonna has such a great fucking story and such great music as well. She does. Yeah. She does. Or we can talking about pop music. I mean, we can go all the way back to the beginning. You can start with Motown and move our way up. I mean, yeah. there is so much stuff out there. Yeah, I mean, the Temptations have such an amazing story. Yes, you know, like the evolution of the Temptations is such a. I mean, they have a fascinating personal story and their musical evolution is so uh, fascinating and then of course you know there's other pop stars that we wanted to cover like we wanted to cover the story of Gloria Trevi uh, yeah. which is well, it would insane be an, it would be a one off because I did it once before yeah you did it on Esquela Songgrave many years it's ago it's just that her music's not good enough I like a couple of her songs I mean it is it is pop it is pop for sure but uh, the whole sex cult thing yeah. uh, does definitely overshadow it a little bit <laughs> But yeah, we can talk about uh, first year of the Beatles. We'll yeah. Talk about Elvis, maybe. We'll talk about, uh, like you said, the Temptations, ABBA. Yeah. I mean, I, I know maybe some people are shuddering right now. Uh, hey, ABBA's but, fucking great. I love ABBA. Yes. <laughs> ABBA's great. To, the Bee Gees are great. They're yeah. great songwriters. I'd love to do a disco season. Like disco. Well. <laughs> Okay. Like, you mean just the Bee Gees? A mini, a mini season. Like, disco's got a fascinating story. Or we can go international. Yeah. We could do Japan, uh, Iceland. We talked about Iceland a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, European bands. Uh, we got people from Sweden writing to us being like, oh, there's this cool, you know, very cool Swedish scene over here. Uh, uh, everywhere and anywhere. So we keep talking about it. And I guess... What we're saying is that we have no concrete plan. <laughs> we never know what we're doing, but we're doing it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We do what we want to do. And, you know, if you want advice on a podcast, that's what you should do. Do what you want to do. Don't do what other people tell you you should do. Right. You know, like that, and that's what we're always going to do. And we're never going to run out of shit. Like, we're never no. going to run out of fascinating bands to talk about or fascinating artists. You know, we're going to get, eventually we'll get into covering, like, solo artists. Uh, we want to do a Bowie series. We want to do yeah. a Lou Reed series. You know, like. I want to do Bo Diddley. I want to do Prince. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> there's so much. So in other words, like what genres are you most excited for? Fucking all of them. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. And, and is the next season going to be only one genre? I don't know. I don't we know. are honestly doing this at the same time that you're listening to this. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the, there is some sort of a plan. We we do a lot of production for the show. So yeah. uh it's not all chaos. No. But we are... I, but it's close. Especially me, learning as I go along. Yes. And I'm also learning as I go along. Like, I, I, I'm i not an, an encyclopedia on all this shit. I know the music, but a lot of the stories, like, we're learning this shit as we go along. Yeah, it's an open book test. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I've been saying. Uh, I mean, I knew... I, I, I loved all this music before, uh, except for uh, I didn't know too much about uh, Suicide or The Slits, really, or, or even too much in The Cramps. But as far as the stories go, man... I 
I learned a lot. Yeah, and so did I. And speaking of which, uh, next question came from a few different people, from Jonathan Graham, Alex McWilliam, and Tess Downer. Uh, favorite books that uh, you read this season? Oh, okay. Yeah, there were a lot. Yeah. There were a lot of books, but I would say the books that I, obviously the ones that we use are the ones that we think are very good and very accurate, at least as accurate as possible. Mm -hmm. But I really love the books by the musicians themselves. That's what always made it a better series. Yeah. I think was when the musicians wrote their own books, like Viv Albertine, Close, 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 Music, 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 Boys, Boys, Boys. That book is great. I mean, for anybody, yeah. really, you could just read that. I mean, I would give that to my future daughter one day. I'm like, <laughs> you need to read this because it is so relatable in every way. And she talks about her whole life and about uh, clothes and music boys no, and, and her whole life really she has two books and they're really they're both fantastic and then I really loved uh, Stephen Morris's book record play pause remember we just did that one with yeah. Joy Division <laughs> that one was one of my favorite books the book was great it was fantastic I it was just a, such a fun read I think I finished it in like a day mm -hmm. I couldn't help it I was like this is really really good yeah really funny and it also dips into like kind of the gearhead stuff a little bit too like some of the technical stuff which doesn't always come with music autobiographies, but he does it in such a way where it's not uh, overly confusing and you don't get lost in the sauce too much. Right, exactly. He just visits. Yeah. He doesn't dwell there or anything. And so his book, he talks a lot about the New York Dolls. Well, it's a, it's a fun book from a guy that was just a part of the scene, but is not necessarily a known part of the scene. Like he just had a lot of great stories about, you know, it, it's just that sort of atmosphere of living and, you know, mid to late 70s New York, like in that weird ass scene that was much more rock and roll than punk a lot of times. Like, you know, he was at his band was it was like the best bar band you ever heard. They There's, sound great. They sound great, but it's not what you would necessarily call like capital P punk. Like, but it's of that genre. It's of that like New York doll style. Uh, but it's something totally different. You know, it gives you a really cool perspective on, you know, how those people live their lives. Yes, exactly. And and as far as books by, uh, you know, by other writers, I would say uh, Open Up and Bleed, yeah. the Iggy Pop book. Oh. Wow. Oh, such a great book. That Well, really, that book, I would say, is kind of the inspiration for this series or for this entire like fucking show. Like reading that book and like seeing all the different stories and like how cool it can be put together uh and also like how he the writer was able to make uh iggy's down period so interesting like his down period in the you know 80s when he was just sort of putting out weird albums that no one was really caring <laughs> yeah. too much like zombie birdhouse like zombie birdhouse is great but like it's fucking impenetrable it's <laughs> it's very it's very odd but the way he was able to to cover that like soldier and those you know those pretty bland albums uh and to make that honestly the most interesting part of the book is a fucking achievement yeah oh yeah no it, it's de i definitely i read it twice yeah they read it please read it I, I and also all the oral history books yes please uh, kill me of course it, please kill me that was the actually that was the only music book i've ever read before we started this yeah so i came in very fresh <laughs> <laughs> learning a lot of about, oh, that's what that song I've been listening to 20 years means. Mm -hmm. All that kind of stuff. And of course, uh, I, I think my favorite oral history, though, I just real quick, Monty Melnick's uh, On the Road with the Ramones. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. There's a lot of stories about the Ramones just on the road and uh, just being idiots. <laughs> and, and the whole story about how the... The one woman, you know, at a rest stop goes up to Monty and is like, God bless you for taking care of those 
mentally deficient people. <laughs> um, that's all in there. That's, that's, that's a true that, story. That's where that story comes from. And Monty just said, thank you. <laughs> and let her go on her way. Yeah, it's not really difficult. Any different. Um, all those stories, the oral history stories are great. Obviously, you get different versions sometimes, different perspectives. So yeah. it's always good to, I, I read all of them. I read everything. And also going online, there is a lot of, uh, like a lot of things online, like the Stooges message boards, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, MisfitsCentral.com. Uh, that was very important of to course. use. Yeah. Yes, it was very helpful. <laughs> Jello's uh, spoken word albums on on YouTube, real fun. Yeah, real oh, fun. So much fun. <laughs> yes, and and so yeah, so the books and the the things online and everything, all of that, just just that's what we use. We use all of that, and those were my favorite things to do is to go through that, especially checking out the message boards and finding out what fans have to say. That that's how we find out what are the best books before. We, we read them. Sometimes we read them and then I'm like, no, actually, this one does suck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> these people were wrong. But the fans, the mega fans, the huge, gigantic fans, those are the ones I, I always like to listen to what they have to say. Yeah. And that's why I really love, um, you know, one of my favorite things that I read this entire uh, season was the 33 and a third on fresh fruit for rotting vegetables. Uh, I adored that because and I and I love that series, you know, well, not all of them. Some of them are terrible. The one for you, your illusion one is... Huh. Um, <laughs> sometimes the guys like to make it a little bit too much about themselves. Ah. I'll say that. Um, but, you know, like the Fresh Fruit for Writing Vegetables, it was such a, an innovative way to cover that album because he covered everything that was surrounding that album. And that was really key for us to understanding uh, the time in which uh, Fresh Fruit for Writing Vegetables was recorded and everything that was going on in San Francisco at the time. Uh, so that really opened up a new world for me. And that's, you know, the best of those books. Uh, that's what they do. You that, know. That's so true. Yeah, you're right. That book was great. I mean, just doing the Dead Kennedys was really fun. Learning history of the 1980s or actually even going down to the 70s. I, I was learning a lot of stuff that I didn't know yeah. at all about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy Reagan. And he's... <laughs> He saw spoken. I I think I was born when he was president. Yeah. I, I and I obviously didn't live in America. <laughs> so I, I you know reading into all of this stuff and actually reading books by like James Baker. Like I was I really got into it. Yeah. And the PMRC and all that stuff. Uh, it's really interesting history, and it wasn't that long ago. No. No. It really wasn't. This is all very recent history. And then you get a great soundtrack, The Dead Kennedys, mm-hmm. to play while you read about it. Yeah. It's perfect. And frightening. (laughs) Our next question is from Joseph Buffon. He asks, when digging through that vinyl, how do either of you choose which ones to bring home with you? Cover art, recommendation from employees, whispers from the void. Oh, that's easy. I don't anymore (laughs) because Marcus gets like, like 30 records every time we go shopping. We, you, I used to buy records and I stopped because I don't need to because you're just going to pick them all up. It's my addiction. Yes. It's <laughs> it's very much, it's a terrible addiction. Of course, I, I listen to everything, of course. But yeah, it's, it's, it is an awful addiction. I mean, all of those <laughs> things are true. Like cover art, recommendation from employees, whispers from the void. Yes, all of those things. Like I will definitely, I'll pick up uh, an album with cool cover art. Uh, sometimes, but not always. It depends on what else I'm picking up that day. Uh, recommendations from employees depends on the record store and depends on the employee. I will always take recommendations, like my 
record store here in New York City is uh, Record Grouch in uh, Greenpoint. Uh, the guy that runs the spot, uh, Brian, he's fucking super cool. Uh, he's got great taste and he's very honest, which that's what I enjoy most about a record, <laughs> yes. a record store employees. Like a, a guy that's, that's honest, like, ah, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Um, but really like the best way to do it is to find a record store that you enjoy, uh, and to go there a lot. And then eventually if you go there a lot, the employees will kind of get to know your taste so they can recommend things to you and be like, Hey, I got this new thing in that you might not have ever heard of. Uh, check it out. Um, so that that's what I would recommend getting to know your record store guy or yeah. girl, <laughs> <laughs> either one, but yes, it's a, it is an awful addiction. <laughs> you need help. I do. And I'm not going to get it. No, you're not. No, that's fine. It's my only thing. Yeah. You can have one. <laughs> it's my thing. Yes. <laughs> Next up from Ben Ogden. Do you have any psychobilly artist album recommendations? Uh, and I would say, yeah, Reverend Horton Heat uh, and uh, Reverend Beatman as well. Surreal Folk Blues Gospel Trash Volume 1. Uh, check it out. It's from Sweden. It's super fucking weird and it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and have you given any thought to doing a Motown season? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I think we've been thinking about it since uh, the Suicide Series mm -hmm. when we were talking about how Alan Vega and Marty Rev, that they grew up around the time where Motown was a thing and, you know, play in the streets and the radio at school dances. And, and I'm like, this is great. Yeah. We should definitely talk about this. Yeah. So, so yes, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. All right. The next question is from Matthew Brockett. He says, I grew up in rural Tennessee where my dad listened to only gospel, the Statler Brothers and the Cathedral. Also, don't talk shit about the Statler Brothers. Statler Brothers are fucking amazing. But I remember when a friend at school burned me the entire Nirvana discography, and I specifically remember the first time hearing the opening riff on Serve the Servants and completely blowing my mind. That moment is what I call my musical awakening. Do either of you have a similar type of memory? Oh, a musical awakening? Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I would say, honestly, coincidentally, mine is extremely similar. It's also Nirvana and it's also in utero. Uh, it was when um, my cousin, like, I went and visited him in Ohio. And I, like, remember so clearly, like, being in his room. And he's like, man, he's a few years older than me. He's like, man, you got to check this out. And, uh, God, I was 11. Uh, and I think it was, so that would have been 1992 or no, 1994. Yeah. 1994. And he played it for me and, and it was the same like fucking opening guitar riff, that same, that entire album. I heard in utero before I heard fucking Nevermind because yeah, living in same. rural Texas, Nevermind totally passed me by. I miss Smells Like Teen Spirit completely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it can happen. Yeah. Well, we were also what? Eight? Yeah. Eight, nine. So yeah, at that time I was still listening to like well yeah i was still listening to adam's family rap around that time that was my first cassette single that i bought that's yeah. right <laughs> yeah, somehow it comes up in conversation on a weekly basis <laughs> i don't know how but it does you're amazing yeah. at that oh thank you but another song that i remember that was kind of a musical awakening uh was regret by new order uh when i heard that song on the radio like that was one of those moments that i remember thinking like this is good <laughs> like the first time the first moment like when you're kind of turning the corner on music and you're starting to think like okay this is good like capital g good and you're starting to figure out like what's good uh and yeah that that was another moment fucking uh when my brother first played me uh, 13 songs by fugazi that was another 
moment. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of them, you know, <laughs> here in fucking Paradise City for the first time when I was five, you know, uh, and that blowing my fucking mind, you know, and stealing my brother's tape and him stealing it back from me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have three. All right. Very quickly. The first one, I was two. <laughs> it was Gloria Stefan's Conga. Hell yeah. That was the song I wanted to listen to all the time. <laughs> it just, I loved how fast it was, you know, and how it is like, how does Gloria Stefan talk so fast? <laughs> I, I don't know how, it, and it was just full, it was just so much noise. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. And it, I, that was the song that I, I was like, play that song again, two yeah. years old. My song like that was uh, Old Time Rock and Roll by Bob Seger. You see, everyone has that song. Yep. And then I think it was uh, around the time when I was like maybe seven or eight. And finally, I think listening to a lot of, I, I don't remember, like Beatles. I was in a Beatles phase for a while. Mm -hmm. And then I listened to the Ramones. Hell and yeah. I'm like, this is a much better Beatles. <laughs> At least to me. At least to seven-year-old Carolina. Yeah. And so the Ramones definitely was a big thing for me. And as well as the Beastie Boys since uh, I was a child. So, yeah. So I guess it's like, uh, especially when it comes to the Beastie Boys and Gloria Stefan, it's like, if you're talking really fast, <laughs> I'm really going to enjoy that a lot. This episode of No Dogs in Space is brought to you by DoorDash. Now, more than ever, restaurants need your help. That means keeping them in business while still keeping yourself, food service workers, and the rest of your community safe. That's where DoorDash comes in. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food that you're craving right where you are, right when you want it. Not only is it convenient, it's also easy. Just open the DoorDash app, pick a restaurant, and your food will be dropped off safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. That's right, DoorDash deliveries are now contactless to keep the communities we operate in safe. As for which restaurant you pick, you've got options, baby. DoorDash has over 300,000 partners in the US, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. So you can hit up your favorite national chains like Taco Bell, Panda Express, or Dunkin' Donuts, or support one of your favorite one-of-a-kind joints, many of which are still open for delivery and need your business. For a limited time only, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code NODOGS2021. That's 25% off up to $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code N-O-D-O-G-S 2021. Don't forget that's code NODUGS2021 for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. This episode is also sponsored by Feels. How are you feeling lately? Stressed, anxious, and constant excruciating pain? Putting the machinist himself to shame with your sleep schedule? Well, you're not alone. Many of us have the very same issues, and many of us are looking for a solution. Your solution might be feels. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep, contactless as can be. I'm not sure I need to convince you why that's a good thing. What's a harder thing to sell to people is consuming a mass-produced medication made from a cocktail of pharmaceutical whatchamacallit. Feels is premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep, contactless as can be. It's completely natural. No high, no hangover, no addiction. Just the natural reduction of stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. If you got migraines, boo, you can try it for that. It also helps that Feels is incredibly easy to take. Just place a few drops of Feels under your tongue and feel the power of premium CBD within minutes. Everyone's dose of CBD is different, so you may need to take more or less to get the effects you're after. Are you asking if there's a membership to Feels? Because yes, there is. 
Join the Feels community to get your feels and save moolah. You can pause or cancel at any time, and if you're new to CBD, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help guide you through your personal experience. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash nodogs, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash nodogs to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Again, that's feels.com slash nodogs. F-E-A-L-S. All right. Our next question is from Nate Jones. He asked, how did you guys meet? Oh, really? Yeah, he that's did. A, that's a real question? That's a real question. Aww, yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> Do you want to take that one? Well, we, I just met you in the basement of the creek in a cave. Yeah. I went down there and I remember I was there with my former host from uh, like many, many years ago. And I went to pitch a podcast and mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, cool. And I'm like, all right, cool. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And then like for like the next year, we're just like, hey. And because yeah. you were the station manager and I, I was just doing a podcast. It wasn't like you were my boss or anything. No, no, no. no. It, it was a, it I, I was never a different got, setup. Then. I never got paid. <laughs> <laughs> but but that was because we were all like kind of working towards something. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I had. It was more pop- of a loose conglomeration back then yes. than an actual company. Right, exactly. And then just, I, I don't know, one day I was just, it's like, hey. How, how's it going? Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did not. Oh, God, I did yeah. not do that. I did not. Oh. Well, we were, yeah, we, we were both uh, suddenly single. Yeah. And we were yeah. just talking, just talking for a while, talking yeah. about movies, talking about music for a while. And and then, I don't know, I guess a couple of weeks later, I messaged you and then and then we, we decided, to go, oh, you asked me out to go see the midnight screening of Carrie. Mm-hmm. And then we went and then that was it. Yeah. That, that was that was five years ago. Yeah. And then, then that was the end of that. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, it was just. Or the beginning. The, <laughs> yeah, just being around, pretty much being around in the same scene. Yeah. No. Yeah. And and I knew Ben from many years. We, we were always. You knew Ben before you knew me. Yeah. For like seven years before, uh, just from stand up comedy. Uh, he was also just an acquaintance, though. Mm-hmm. We never like hung out. And uh, I met. Yeah. And then that's how I met everyone else. But I, you know, I knew I knew Kevin. Uh, so I knew all the stand ups. Kevin vouched for you. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Kevin Barnett. Kevin, yes, Rest thank you, in Kevin. peace. Rest in peace, of course. Yes, thank you, Kevin Barnett. Yeah, because I asked him, I was like, you know this Carolina girl? He's like, hell yeah, she's great. Yeah. Like, cool. Yeah, because we hung out one time with a bunch of comics and, uh, and after a show, and I remember him making fun of uh, my friend Jen who because she said that she had tickets to go see, oh, God, I, I forgot. It was like Barry Manilow. <laughs> and Kevin made a joke, and then she started screaming at him, being like, <laughs> Like, how dare you? How dare you put me down? I'm so excited for the show. How and then she like almost stormed off and Kevin just sat there like, I'm sorry. And then we I think she left and then no. me and Kevin just just finished our drinks and I'm like, "All right, see you later." And then I was just like, "That is one cool guy." Yeah, that's very much a Kevin story. Yeah. That was Kevin's whole life. Yeah. <laughs> he just pissed off this woman at, uh, while we were hanging out. It was the weirdest thing. Anyway, yeah. uh, we miss you. But, we miss you, Kevin. Yeah. Rest in peace. Uh, next, what was your this? Uh, the same person has a, a few questions. Favorite series to research? Mine was Dead Kennedys. Oh yeah, that was really fun. <laughs> well, at the end, by the end of it, like yeah. once we got to the end of it, it was my favorite because we learned so much. Because I love history, and we were able to put so much history, and we were able to learn so much about you know the about San Francisco like in that time period. I didn't realize how San Francisco in that time period was so fascinating and so like you yeah. always heard about the story of harvey milk but you didn't like knowing 
all of the like hard history behind it and seeing, you know, all the Diane Feinstein shit and George Moscone and all of that, like finally figuring out what I blew heart George and Harvey's brains out was right. <laughs> like that, that's of like dead Kennedy's. I, that was my favorite because I learned the most. Yeah, it was, you know what? It was one of my favorites too. It was a lot of work, especially you talking about the history. We were learning a lot. I, I think we said Moscone one episode and we learned it was like Moscone. We're like, <laughs> ah, we don't know the mayor of San Francisco. And so so we were figuring it out. So that was really fun. For me, my favorite one was Ramones because they're from Queens, baby. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's a little closer to home. Mm-hmm. Uh, that And just everything made sense. Yeah. And, and me relating to Joey more than I ever thought I would <laughs> with his OCD tendencies mm-hmm. uh, and everything and I think uh, Joy Division was yeah. also was the one where I think it's always this always happens uh, it's like towards the end where I'm like I got it yeah I know how to do a punk season <laughs> and, and then we're almost done it's yeah. like when we planned our wedding by the time the wedding was done we know how to plan a wedding it's like wow that was easy <laughs> <laughs> so it, pretty much uh, mostly my favorite series are the ones where as I said before the musicians write the books or or they have a lot of long interviews uh, as well like Danzig had a long three hour interview I listened to twice mm-hmm. so I like hearing from their mouths I yeah. think to me that is most important because I hate uh, just I guess assuming things and I try my best to make it as as accurate or as authentic as I possibly can and I really work really hard to make sure that because there's nothing that turns me off more than when you're like watching a documentary and you're like Oh, you got the name wrong. <laughs> How'd you do that? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's part of why Joy Division, I think, was like, uh, I, why I'm so proud of Joy Division, uh, the job that we did with it. Like, the reason why we were able to do that was because every band member wrote a book. Uh, and yeah. even Ian Curtis, like, his wife wrote a book. So we got such um, deep perspectives uh, yeah. on everybody. Uh, it just made it, it made it harder and easier all at the same time. You know, yeah. you don't have to guess, but you also have to take everybody's story into account and you definitely have to discount everything Peter Hook says. Well, <laughs> he's just he's a, he's a storyteller. He's <laughs> and he and and things get added on yeah. as the decades roll yeah. and then next thing you know it's like a whole other thing. <laughs> well, Peter Hook is like he's telling a story in a pub. You know, yeah. that that's that's Peter Hook's perspective and you know, and it's a great fucking story, but not always true well that's the problem sometimes with uh people who are uh former uh addicts i guess Mm -hmm. like iggy pop and and peter hook says so himself in the book he's just like well a lot of it's a little jumbled you know the memory (laughs) is a little it's a little hazy yeah a little hazy of course uh next question from them favorite band you discovered through all your research the cramps the cramps yeah because you didn't know the cramps i knew the cramps yeah i i I knew their their live stuff i remember listening to that smell of female all that kind of stuff and i enjoyed their popular songs Mm -hmm. but i didn't know about their story and then i started looking into them and i'm like oh i don't like them (laughs) (laughs) that was my first remember i remember we had a fucking huge argument about it i was just like no they're annoying because i mean they obviously look great and they have great taste but they they keep putting it down everything else that's not them mm-hmm. and i hated that because i'm like i don't like that they're just so negative and all the interviews are just like oh i i hate madonna because she's so big <laughs> or i hate this i hate the new wave and and i'm just like this drives me crazy and then throughout just learning them like throughout the the, the weeks that went by i'm like I love them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just kind of did a somersault. Yeah. And now I, I love them and I listen to the cramps all the time. 
all the time <laughs> i would say mine uh it, like the i knew this band but discovering the rest of their discography they're now one of my favorite bands is the damned uh i knew yeah uh, yeah i i of course i knew the first album uh but that was about all i knew uh and so i'm like okay this is a band that i want to get more into and i wanted to you know really learn and they and watching the documentary was when you know i think we told the story on our damn series but you know we were going to do a sex pistols season uh there was one day when i was sick uh and couldn't do the research so i just laid down all day and watched as many documentaries on that era as i could find and i came across the damn documentary and 10 minutes in i texted carolina and was like we're we got to do the damned we got to switch from the sex pistols and do the damned uh and in getting it like now machine gun etiquette is like God, it, it's up there in my favorite, like top 10 albums. Uh, and all of it, like the Black Album and Strawberries. Like, oh, I, yeah. I, like, I'm, like, I love these albums so much. Like, my fucking Spotify wrapped, like, the top three of the top five songs were damned songs, you know, because I kept listening to them over and over and over <laughs> and over again. Like, they're now in the, they're now in my repertoire. They're now, The Damned is now one of my bands. Uh, and that was, you know, that was wonderful. It was wonderful <laughs> to, dis to discover them. Uh, next question they have, and I definitely have an answer for this. I don't know if you do. What is your favorite band that your partner hates? Ha! <laughs> uh, I, I don't care to ask. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> That's a question for you. Yeah, that, no, the question, I have it. It's the easiest answer of this entire fucking thing. B-52s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to put me on blast? You're putting me on blast right now. I'm not putting you on It's the truth. I adore the B-52s. I just don't see it. I know. I know. And I even... Okay. I have to admit... Uh, oh, you tried to take advantage of me when I was really, really drunk the other night. I think it was on your birthday or something. It was a couple of nights before, but we were we were having a few drinks and listening to music and, you know, and talking about, like, what we want to do next season and, you know, what and just listening to music all night and drinking and having a good time. And I... And yes, I tried taking advantage of my wife and I said, okay, I'm going to play this next band and I want you to give me an honest opinion of it and tell me what you think of it. And then maybe this is a band that we could do. And I tried playing the B-52s. It, <laughs> it failed because I'm not trying to be an asshole. I want to like them. I, want, I know. I, I respect the, the work that they have put out and the fact that they have a lot of admirers. Yes. That's yes. the best I could say. <laughs> <laughs> I love, like there's a moon in the sky. I love that song. Of course, Rock Lobster, you know, like just the first albums, the first two albums are so good and so many albums after that. Uh, but yeah, the B-52s, I, I tried one last time. I promise I will never try again. Well, apparently you hate Mozart, <laughs> the greatest musician of all time, of all humanity. You just hate him. You just hate him. Uh, and the last question from this listener is favorite shitty movie. <laughs> uh. Okay, so Baby's Day Out is not, it's not a movie. Baby's Day Out, of course, <laughs> no, Baby's Day Out is technically a movie because it is a movie. It was released as a movie. It's about a baby's day out. The baby is having a day out. No. What, but it is a plot. The baby is having a day out it's not really a plot <laughs> i mean there is a plot you're right there there i guess you could say there are three acts so why, why are you now you're getting me defensive it's not okay, my well it's still not my favorite shitty movie you haven't even seen it <laughs> but it's not my favorite shitty I, movie i saw it you i saw it and i was so mad that i saw it well what's your favorite shitty movie oh all of them yeah <laughs> star wars <laughs> No, I, I, I actually that one I didn't think of uh, because I was thinking about how it makes me mad that you 
defend Baby's Day Out <laughs> without any knowledge of the actual movie other than to just try to get me really riled up. <laughs> well, I know one movie that you've talked about a lot, that you, the shitty movie that you really love, is uh, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. It's frightening. It's wonderful. I, I, I have a DVD. <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite, I mean, it comes as no surprise, my favorite shitty movie, and this is another thing that I love that my partner hates, it's nothing but trouble. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. So since we're, we're we're really getting into this uh-huh. and maybe having to edit a lot, <laughs> we watched nothing but trouble because yes. I I think I forgot we we disagreed on something. It wasn't like a fight or anything, but we disagreed. It was on a, something. no. We were in the middle of a fight that didn't quite get resolved. Maybe there was some, but it, I remember it being something so stupid. Well, it was one of those stupid fights that couples have. You right. know, when you when you live together. You yeah. Know, the stupid fights that don't really matter, but you're still kind of miffed. Yeah. So we're like kind of just like all right. Let's just blow off some steam a little bit. We're sitting on the couch and you're like, why don't we put on this movie? Nothing but trouble. <laughs> and I'm like, Because okay, you've never seen it. Okay. And then <laughs> when we get like halfway through the movie, I think it's about the time when they get to the dump <laughs> there after you see. It's Bobo and Lil, when Bobo and Lil Devil come. I got up. I was like, that's it. <laughs> I am not watching this anymore. I'm going to bed. And I actually did go to bed and I fell asleep. <laughs> and then and then the next day our relationship got stronger. It got stronger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I don't know what to say about that. Uh, well, it's just you gotta we got accept, married then you a year gotta, later. You gotta accept there's some things that you love that your partner just isn't gonna get, and that's okay. That's well, not what life is about. You picked the wrong moment. <laughs> I really did. Soured it forever. The other lesson is pick the right moment. Yes. That's actually, I we haven't been married long, but if anyone were to ask me about advice, it'd be like, pick the right moment, the right moment. for everything. <laughs> Our next question is from Ben Farrington, uh, and his question is, are either of you guys working on music of your own? Well, yeah. Marcus. Yes, I am, actually. Yes. Yes, he yes. is. He has been for a while, and for... it's really good. Oh, it's okay. Oh, it is so much more than okay. <laughs> Maybe when you first started, it was okay, but yeah. now I think it's really good. Well, thank you very much. And and this is, it's my hobby. It's what, it's what I, yeah, I've, I've always been in bands. Like, I've been in a band since I was 16, you know, and this is the first time in my life that I haven't been in a band. Like, I, you know, left the Cowman a couple of years ago, and I haven't been in a band for a long time, so uh, I've started making music of my own, which is me playing everything. Uh, bass, drum, guitar, uh, and uh, and synthesizer. Ooh. And Carolina convinced me to play one of the songs. Yeah, because it's really good. Well, thank you. Well, let's let's listen. The, yeah, and I, the, the working title for my project is Nurse Minotaur and the Vacant Trash. So <laughs> that's, that's good. <laughs> thank you.
I'm just so proud. <laughs> I'm just so, so proud of you. Oh, it's a, I'm wiping a tear <laughs> with my handkerchief. It was really good. Thank you for being a very supportive partner. I, I appreciate it. It's not the tightest thing in the world, but it's, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, we do work on our own. I, I do work on yeah, my own. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> um, so, so busy. Um, you work so much work. I work so much work, yes. <laughs> I can play a couple, uh, two-thirds of a riff. <laughs> That's as good as it gets. You're doing okay. You learned a little bit. I'm a storyteller. Yeah, that's right. You absolutely are. And I am learning a lot. You're right. I do hear, I want candy now. (laughs) It took a year. Yeah, it came on when we were in the car the other day and you admitted that you finally heard it. Yes, that's a reference to, I think it was episode one of The Stooges. The Stooges, yeah, Yeah. 1969. Yeah, it's the the same beat as I Want Candy, which I'm now realizing is just a fucking Bo Diddley beat. (laughs) (laughs) All right, our next question uh, is from Tyler Warmbine. Uh, he says, okay, you get to create a super group from the 10 bands from season one. Vocal, drums, bass, guitar, and keys, or second guitar. Who do you pick and why? And we don't count, right? It's <laughs> we just, can't. It's the bands. It's the bands. Okay, yeah, all, yeah, right, yeah. all right, all right. All right, and so I did. I put together a super group. <gasps> okay. I did, okay. Drums, Stephen Morris from Joy Division. Oh, very yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, for versatility and innovation. Bass, Didi Ramon. Keep it simple, help write the songs. Yes. Guitar one, James Williamson from the Stooges. Ooh. For the rock. Guitar two, Captain Sensible, wild card. <laughs> <laughs> I like this team you're assembling. Synth, Martin Rev from Suicide, of course. He's going to give it atmosphere. I thought about Tommy Gear, but that's going to be too many cooks in the kitchen. He's going to be able to pull back and give it all some great fucking atmosphere. And vocals, that's a tough choice, but I thought about all of the different singers and who would actually be able to play in such a disparate group of musicians and would able to bring it all together. Who has the most experience playing with a bunch of different bands? Jello Biafra. Oh, whoa. Yeah. I like this. <laughs> I like this a lot. Yeah. I, I almost went with Lux Interior, but it, that's the thing. If you put Lux Interior as lead singer of the band, everyone else is going to shape their style to fit Lux Interior. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you put Iggy Pop in there, it's just going to become Iggy Pop with a backing band. Right. Yeah. So, I was thinking Iggy Pop. Iggy, yeah, that, it's just going to be Iggy Pop with a backing band. You know, it, essentially, he already did that with, you know, post pop depression, the guy, you know, Josh Helm and all that. So, yeah. So you got to have someone who's able to work with a bunch of different musicians. So Jello Biafra is, uh, that's going to be the choice there. So, okay. yep. Yeah. Stephen Morris, D.D. Ramon, James Williamson, Captain Sensible, Martin Rev, and Jello Biafra. Okay. That's the super group. I see that. In band manager, Danny Fields. Can, can we get into the technical side? Who's the sound man? Geza X. Geza X is sound yeah, man, yeah. Because he's open to, you know, different kinds of ideas. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Managed by Danny Fields, sound by uh, Geza X, and of course produced by Martin Hannett. <laughs> <laughs> I love everything. I love everything you just said. All right. Next question is from Will Thiessen. He's got a few questions. One, what's your bookstore? Oh, uh, thriftbooks.com or, I mean, or pretty much wherever we can. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, we also go, uh, We I've ordered things from Vail, from research.com uh, and uh, yeah, I'll be 
sometimes we got it. We got sometimes we got to fall into a Kindle thing. Yeah, Kindle usually it is the most helpful, especially when you have to find something. Because me having a stack of books and then think like tons of little notes on the side, it can get a little tiring. Kindle, you control F or whatever. Yeah. So that's usually the easiest way. Yeah. Unfortunately, we have to do that, but sometimes we do. Yeah. Next question. What is your favorite instrument and who is the musician who looks coolest holding slash playing it? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to say synth and coolest of all time is Martin Rev. No oh. one's cooler than Martin Rev playing fucking synth with those big ass glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Still to this day, I think. To this day. Yeah. yeah I agree with that. But as far as who looks coolest holding their instruments and playing their instruments, no one looks cooler than holding Johnny, the guitar than Johnny. Johnny Ramone. Well, was, pretty much all the Ramones, actually. Yeah, but I think Johnny Ramone definitely. I I like I like his style. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. <laughs> just that. Thank God he's dead. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I know. I know. You imagine? We don't need another Johnny Ramone. We're very grateful for whatever we had. <laughs> I'm just. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just falling into just, this. Can you hand me a shovel? <laughs> I'm just saying the last. Last four years with Johnny Ramone might have been a little trying. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was not a good person. Uh, but <laughs> no, I, I did say this in the Ramones, but at least he uh, he left behind a really great legacy of uh, being the, really a big part of a uh, of one of the best bands, one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah. No, I love Johnny Ramone as a guitarist and as a performer. No one looked cooler playing guitar than Johnny Ramone. He just had it fucking down and of course no one looked cooler up front than uh than joey well i mean maybe poison ivy might she might rival uh she might rival johnny as far as who looks coolest um yeah but, she does yeah, look cool. yeah, yeah and uh finally from this person how does georgie react to loud music well she i guess she gets used to it she gets used she's After a while georgie what's funny about georgie what georgie really loves is the ambient work of david lynch yes yeah. oh by the way georgie's our dog yeah <laughs> She's half corgi, uh, half uh, like a Jack Russell Terrier. Jack, yeah, she's mm -hmm. a couple of things. Yeah, uh, she's a mutt. She's yeah, a wonderful little. She mutt. loves David Lynch. She also likes the Conjuring series a lot. <laughs> I think it's something to do with the sounds. She loves atmospheric horror sound. Like Eraserhead is her favorite movie. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, she yeah. loves. She will actually sit and stare. She will actually watch Eraserhead. Yeah, and Hereditary in the beginning mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She watches, She. I, I can't believe she doesn't speak English. <laughs> She's watched so much stuff with us yes. throughout the years. Yeah, yeah, very Unbelievable. Very expressive little eyes on that dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, she's a corgi. That's how they do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, she's actually fine. She's never been uh, particularly disturbed with loud music. And she's hung out with me listening to a Carpathian Forest record, and she doesn't care at all. You, although we did get that side eye when we played Guns N' Roses really loudly. <laughs> which is, she was like, all right, if that's what you really want to do. <laughs> Which I think is what she says all the time in her head. <laughs> all right. In this episode, we're actually going to do two bands. We're going to do one right here in the middle, and then we're going to do another one uh, at the Wait, end. Wait, we're halfway through? Uh, <laughs> well, a little more than halfway through, but uh, yeah, we're, we're getting there. Cool. Yeah, all yeah, right, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. We're, get, we're getting there. Oh, Let's we're going to answer some more questions Three then. quarters of the yeah. way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three quarters of the way through. Uh, this band, uh, they're another Los Angeles band. Uh, they're fantastic. This uh, album came came out just last year. Their name is Diode, uh, and this is off of their album Diode, self-titled album. Uh, the song is called iPop. You can find them at refryrecords.bandcamp.com slash album slash diode uh they're fucking great yeah this is fantastic i'm loving this los angeles scene that's going on right now but they're, they're fucking they're killing it right now uh so yeah check out diode 
Yeah, that's how fucking really cool good. is that? Really, yeah. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. I can't wait till we can, you know, go to Los Angeles and uh, fucking visit, and the music venues are open, and we can go check out this scene because, like, this is the second, like, also the freakies. Like, there's obviously a cool scene going on in LA. Right I know, now. but first, California, are you okay? Yeah, I hope you're okay. When you're California. okay, we will come. Yeah, and when the music venues open back up, we will come out to some shows. Yeah, uh, out there in LA, because man, I really want to see this shit live. <laughs> Our next question is from Mike Feiner. He says, of those still out there, have any of the artists you've covered this season listened to the show and reached out to you? Actually, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, actually, yes. We got uh, two people reached out to us, and uh, this is a really fun thing, uh, and we'll announce it very, very soon, but we will be interviewing them mm -hmm. and then uh, putting it out in the next episode, so we're not done. Yeah, we're not done. We still got one more to go. We're going to do one more. Yeah. We'll do an interview with them, and uh, and in, oh, it's going to be really great. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah, it's good. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be fucking great, but yeah, they they have one of them, two of them have reached out yes, to us. Unfortunately, yeah. it's not Henry Rollins. <laughs> <laughs> Would love to talk. I want to talk to Henry Rollins. Yeah, yeah but yeah. remember what was that? condition I made that uh, if we were going to do Black Flag, it would only be if Henry Rollins was in the studio with us, but he can't say a word. <laughs> and then we take him for ice cream afterwards and then he could tell us yeah. the truth. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a wonderful condition. And maybe one day we could meet that condition. I, I don't think Henry Rollins gives two shits about us <laughs> but it would be cool if he did it'd be cool if he did yeah yeah, yeah. um but we and we also we have gotten uh emails from people that have said they know people that we've covered and said that we've done a pretty good job capturing them that's yeah i think it's very cool when people tell us like oh i wayne county lives in my neighborhood and sometimes you know we say hi i'm like that's that's awesome actually yeah. thank you for sharing yeah. please share your story <laughs> yeah of course yeah rat scabies lives next door to me yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one was really cool <laughs> yeah this episode of no dogs in space is brought to you by warby parker Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores and offers unique boutique quality eyewear at a revolutionary price point. Glasses start at just $95, including prescription lenses. Sunglasses, progressives, contacts, and blue light lenses are also available. Warby Parker also offers the Home Try-On Kit. Just take a quiz on their website and they'll suggest five pairs of specs to send to you so that you can take them for a test drive for five days. Once you pick the ones you dug the most and ordered them online, just mail the kit back free of charge. Me and Carolina both need glasses to see, so we both ordered our own kits, and I can probably say that after three sleepless nights of deliberation and soulful mirror staring, we each finally made our decisions. The glasses we each landed on are stylish, durable, and above all, help us to be not blind. So try Warby Parker's free home try-on program for yourself. Order five pairs of glasses to try at home for free for five days. There's no obligation to buy. The kit ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash nodogs. That's warbyparker.com slash nodogs to try five pairs of glasses at home for free. This episode of No Dogs in Space is also sponsored by Every Plate. You know what I like? Fat. That means P-H-A-T, meals. You know what else I like? Fat wallets. That's F-A-T, you dig? Meal kits, they're all the rage, but they're so expensive. Forget that, that's where every plate crushes its competitors. Every plate sends you dinners that are less expensive and more fulfilling, more bang for your buck. Think of it this way. One meal from every plate is the same price as one cup of joe. Only the meal is delicious, nutritious, and ambitious. That's right, these meals are real go-getters unafraid to face the world. 
It's also easy. Every Plate's pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipe cards make dinner simple. In fact, most of their recipes come together in 30 minutes. I have never been happier than the day I opened my front door and discovered an Every Plate box on my front stoop. The only other time I've ever been close to that level of happiness was 20 seconds later when I opened the box and discovered a ton of vegetables, meats, cheeses, and other ingredients. And guess what I did with those ingredients? I followed the recipes and made fantastic meals for me and Marcus. That's what. So try every plate for just $1.99 per meal plus an additional 20% off your next two boxes by going to everyplate.com and entering code NODOGS199. That's code NODOGS199 at everyplate.com for $1.99 per meal plus an additional 20% off your next two boxes. Every Plate, America's best value meal kit. All right, next one from Rebecca. Would you guys ever consider doing an episode about Latino punk? Yeah. Yes. The mm-hmm. plugs. Yeah. Of course. The zeros. Of course. Of course. Uh, uh, I grew up in Mexico, and uh, but I left when I was 15, so I, I, or 15, 16, so I, I kind of missed like checking out the local scene there so much. But I would love to get into the Mexican scene, the South American scene. Oh, gosh. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. Uh, into punk or also hardcore as well, because uh, I know it's just huge. So the answer is yes. A yes. million times yes. <laughs> Next question from Justin Sheeler. What kind of nicotine lozenges does Marcus use? Is, it, is that a question? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, it's Are absolutely... we doing all the questions? We're doing all I want to help. Okay. I want to help this guy out. I really want to okay. help him out because he said he's tried all of them and none of them work. I use uh, the Nicorette coated lozenges. They have to be coated. Those are the only ones that are good. All the rest of them are terrible. The coated four milligram nicotine lozenges. They have to be the strongest motherfuckers you can find. <laughs> and yeah, so I have been using the lozenges for like a year now, trying to get off of those. But you know what? I used the vape for five years before that, and I was a pack-a-day smoker for a decade and a half before You're that. almost done. I'm almost You're done. You're almost at the end of your road. I'm almost at the end of my road. It's just it's taken years, but anyone out there that's looking to quit, you can do it. If yeah. I can fucking do it, anybody can. And another question that someone had, just a short thing, one after 909 asked, how do you clean your records and remove static? I use the AudioQuest anti-static record cleaner. It's a wonderful little brush. It's great. Works out wonderfully. Not like a sleeve. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so behind. (laughs) Next question is from Evan Perry. What was your overall impression of the 90s, 2000s punk scene? Both mainstream stuff like pop punk, Blink-182 and Sum 41, as well as the more traditional punk like Fugazi and Rise Against. I remember... Seeing of uh, or listening to Blink 182's uh, Dude Ranch when I was a little 10, mm-hmm. 11, 10, and I remember that being great. Yeah, I remember really enjoying that and really enjoying Green Day, uh, back then because that was the age I was, I was 10, 11, it was the perfect age for that to come. And then from there, I, I, I started to learn about a lot more stuff after that, but I, I thought it was great because I was 10. Uh, mm. If I were 30, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it, 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 there's a nostalgia with it. I loved Blink-182 in high school. Like, oh, I, in like, high school? Yeah. yeah. That's when it was out. Like, you know, like uh, Dude Ranch was like 99. Um, it was? Yeah. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Nuh-uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'm like 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. No, but, yeah. I, no I, I remember Dude Ranch. Be, I, I was living in Mexico and I remember a friend of mine uh, like- 97. Left. 
Oh. Dude Ranch was 97. Wow. Okay. So how old am I? It doesn't matter. <laughs> so the point is that I'm a terrible interviewer, <laughs> interviewee. Um, I, and I can't get the years right at yeah. all. But I do remember being really young. I remember it being a teenager before I moved. So it was definitely before I was 16. And I thought it was really fun. I mean, I didn't stay with it, but mm-hmm. but I... Yeah, it's totally fine. I mean, I know it's all commercialized and all that stuff. It's all a little, a little poppy, and st- it it doesn't bother me. It, yeah. do- it doesn't it doesn't threaten anything. I'm told it, you could. It, there's room for everybody. It's fine. My band played "Damn It" at prom. that was 2000 yeah that was 2000 my junior yes my junior year of uh of high school yes my my band played a couple of songs at prom and yeah we played uh damn it really terribly it was really bad it was really 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 bad uh but yeah yeah we did and yeah i i had you know i had adored all that stuff like pop punk and shit like that like i adored green day uh when i was in high school like i grew up in you know like i said in rural texas so it's it's i got what music i could get uh yeah, through here. like what weird avenues could uh make it my way because you know the internet was kind of a thing and i had the internet but you know it i wasn't finding all that insane stuff like it took me until I think 2000 before I finally like got a hold of like a Ramones album. And, you know, by that point, I'd been listening to fucking Blink-182 for a couple of years. I heard Blink-182 before I heard the Ramones. You know, like I, I hell, I liked it. I had all the Punkarama compilations, you oh, know, really? the first three. Yeah, I loved those, like the fat record stuff and all that. Like, yeah, I was I was super into pop punk, <laughs> but not so much anymore. I'll listen to Blink-182 sometimes when I'm working out. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, well, maybe it's good workout music. Yeah, every once in a while. I remember I had a friend from high school who was a big Good Charlotte fan. Yeah. Remember? I I was not. That was the Screamo stuff I couldn't couldn't do. That wasn't my, yeah. Well, uh, I don't think they were Screamo. They were very poppy. Yeah. And they were they were fine, but the only reason why I would go with her is because they were Good Charlotte at that time before they became big on MTV and stuff. They... Uh, or maybe around that time, they were opening for like great bands, yeah, uh, like Bad Religion and stuff. So I would go with her, and I had a car, so we'd go together with a bunch of friends, and we would start checking out shows. And so that's how it starts. And then you check out another show, and another show, and then next thing you know, you're going a little bit more local. And then next thing you know, you're in the basement of a Unitarian church in New Jersey, <laughs> watching like people that you hang out with playing music. So it kind of that's how it kind of works its way through. Yeah. So you're right. It starts with whatever you got and then you slowly work your way through uh what you eventually really get into eventually absolutely yeah I, and like fugazi i somehow heard fugazi when i was like 12 like i mentioned 13 songs earlier like there was funny there was a, a guy that moved to our small town in uh texas moved to rochester from seattle so he brought like in like 1992 93 so he brought all this amazing shit with them and he was good friends with my brother and you know he introduced my brother all this music and then i just wanted being a kid like want always wanting to hang around him i heard all this really cool shit that i'd never heard before and like i i when i was a kid like waiting room was like my favorite song when i was 12 um yeah yeah great song. <laughs> it's still yeah and it's still a great song so it's like you know I, I guess what it is like the more traditional punk and stuff like that like that stuck with us we still listen to that stuff the pop punk it's fun nostalgia at this point, I know I'm not going to say it, sit here and say like it's bad or it's terrible or anything, no. but it's, you know, it's it's fun nostalgia for us. Yeah. Um, more than anything. No, I, absolutely. I'm not going to put anything down, especially when people put a lot of work into it. Mm-hmm. Um, except for B-52s. 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. They're fine. They're fine. They're, I, I just, I, I, I need an arch nemesis. Apparently, <laughs> I guess that's what it is. <laughs> uh, and uh, thoughts on modern punk? This one's from Joshua Simpson. Um, I'm mostly, I'm in a, like modern post punk. Like, and the British are fucking killing it right now. Mm-hmm. There's Blom out of Newcastle. Uh, their EP Flower Violence is fucking sick. Uh, Shopping their album All or Nothing. It's right out of the '80s. There's Mush. 3D Routine, that's their newest album, really solid. My favorite post-punk song last year was Mm-hmm by Handel. It's amazingly catchy. It's just great fucking post. So, yeah, but modern stuff, yeah, mostly into the post-punk stuff. I've been listening to a lot, uh, thanks to David, who wrote, I, I don't know his full name, but David, thank you. You might know who you are, <laughs> uh, who wrote to us at, at nodogsinspace at gmail.com. Uh, he suggested Cutie, and uh, I think they're from Brooklyn. Oh. I, or New York, at least. Maybe they're, they might be around the corner from us, and they're amazing. Yeah? Yeah, because I checked it out. Uh, also, Cindy wrote to me, and or to us, mm-hmm. and said, uh, Bella's Bartok uh, is really decent, and I listened, and I'm like, now I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a big fan now. Treasure Mammal, big fan. I mean, that's not very punk, but still. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I don't know. I don't know. It It, it, it is still awesome. Yeah. It's So, uh, yeah, because of you guys, I mean, Cheap Perfume is great. Yeah. I don't know if someone told me about them or maybe they might have write to us if you if you're listening because you guys are so good. So 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 good. It is definitely right up your alley. It's perfect. Yeah. Yes. Next question. What are your tips and processes for researching and outlining? Okay. Well, I, I would say a very important tip, I guess, is the whole get as much as you can yeah. on, on your hands. Like, just get everything you can. I've I've gone through newspapers.com <laughs> to find newspaper articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Message boards, definitely, especially fan forums. Uh, just going through them. It, just just getting a good feeling for it. Because as I, you know, I said before, I'm a huge Ramones fan, so that was much easier. But Joy Division, I... I I knew a little bit of, you know, I knew unknown pleasures and stuff. So I had to really dive deep into that. And so I would say just dive in as much as you can just to get the the general feeling of it, I think is probably a good tip. Uh, most of all, instead of just taking one like one thing for granted, like really try to cross check everything you do as best you can. Yeah. I don't know what what else do you think? Well, as far as uh, outlining goes, and th- I guess this kind of goes into our, our next question from Joshua Zupan: uh, How much of your shows are pre written slash scripted, and how much is ad libs, tangents, or pulling out fun facts? Um, Make sure that you have the story that you want to tell for that episode completely and totally worked out before you start the episode. That's true. When Marcus and I, when we, when you and I work on this together with the whiteboard and everything, and we talk about it throughout the whole writing, because you, you know, Marcus, you write half of the script, I write the other half of the script, and then we put it together. We there is a lot of arguments. <laughs> There's a lot of disagreements about like, should we do this? No, I shouldn't do that. But by the time we get to recording, we already have a united front. Yes. And and that's important. And what you said, like the whole theme and like, why are we telling the story at all? Yeah. Why are we talking about this? And why are we talking about like this section of the story? Um, but yeah, just make sure you know what story you want to tell uh, before you tell it. Yeah. And keep a theme. I think a theme is the thing that helps the most. It's, yeah. And, and keep going back to that. Yeah. It's very important to keep going back to that and then just getting your head out of it, like getting some perspective, like, like what's the point of this episode what's the point of the series what's the point of this whole season what's the point of making a podcast (laughs) you gotta always remember you know come back and remember why you're doing it of course always and as far as how much is pre-written how much is uh ad-libs and tangents 80 20 
what, 80% being pre-written? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say like, I would actually say like 60-40. 60-40? Yeah, because yeah. it's, I mean, we do have scripts that we write. Uh, we write our own, what we're each going to say mm-hmm. each. Uh, but a lot of times it's stuff that we, like, especially for me, it's like stuff I just, I fall back on the script and I try to tell it as organically as possible. Because like I said before, when we first started, I did not know how to read from a script, (laughs) uh, organically at all. And it like sounded very awkward Mm -hmm. and a very anchorman in so many ways. (laughs) And it took a lot of edits. Luckily I was editing the show for a long time. So (laughs) I, I had to deal with my own problems. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say, I don't know, maybe we could split the difference. I mean, a lot of my, I would say more of mine is pre-written than yours is because, but that's just my training because that's how I learned how to be on radio. I was an FM radio DJ before all this. Uh, And one of the things that I was taught, one of the things I learned is how to write out your scripts and to make it sound as if you're not writing out your drops. You know, I would, I would write out my drops and how to make it sound natural, how to write in your own voice, you know, and how to just keep everything uh, moving along in a succinct and uh, interesting way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, quite a bit of mine is read. And, and I really did learn a lot from you, Marcus, this whole year. Oh, Honestly, yeah. I did. I learned so much <laughs> and, and, and how to write these uh, these like my part of the script and everything. And it's just it's. It feels like it should be easy, but then it's when you really try it, it's very hard. But once you get through the other side, it's like, oh, I, I can do this all day <laughs> because there's no you don't have to worry about, you know, grammar mm-hmm. or, or spelling. I write everything phonetically now. Yeah, so, so I, do I. I don't get messed up and shit. <laughs> and, and yeah, and a lot of times we kind of do go off a digression or two, but mostly we do stick to what we already decide what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. So that way we don't get lost or you don't end up with the thing of where later you're like, ah, I forgot to say this one thing. Yeah. And I hate that. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I always want to make sure I have everything that I want to say in there. Right. Yeah. Well, this next question is from Jared Kaysen. Uh, My question for you is, Carolina, personal favorites, which episode did you have the most fun researching and doing? And was there one that was hard for you to cut down and not make longer? All right. So Ramones. I loved Ramones, of course. Queens. Mm -hmm. Baby. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make a new tagline. (laughs) Anyway, uh, but I would say there's there's so many stories. Actually, there were dozens of stories that we had to cut for time or not really for time, but for pacing, because you don't want to get lost to something like what happened happened to us with the dead Kennedys, with the PMRC, I got really into the PMRC and really looking up everything I could. And we had to cut like a page or two of that. And that was painful, but it's like, but what are we here for? We're here to talk about the dead Kennedys. Like, so it's another thing of perspectives, like don't fall in too much. So I would love to do a thing on PMRC because we cut out a lot. A lot, so much, so many interesting ins and outs and like where the money came from, where the money went uh, and how it really did shape a lot of like politics in America. Yes. Yes. It's very, it's really cool stuff, but we just didn't want it. We just didn't want to go on too long. And we're like, we yeah. play a dead Kennedy song. <laughs> and also there are also little stories that I, I had to cut, unfortunately, like uh, Joy Division. I love the one where Peter Hook is in his van. Remember Peter Hook? He has a, he's the one who buys the van. So he's the one stuck, like loading in all the stuff and driving everyone. He had to be sober and like no one in the band like thanked him or cared. <laughs> and a lot of times they would go out and get food before the show. And they're like, all right, well, Peter, it's your van. So you got to stay here with the equipment while we go have lunch. And Peter's just sitting there like, 
I'm in the parking lot again. <laughs> and then Peter looked ahead and he saw another van right parked right in front. And it was for another band. It was a van full of equipment. And he looks at the guy. He's like, hey, uh, are you also in a band? And did also your bandmates go out for lunch? And the guy's like, yeah, hi, I'm Les from Echo and the Bunnymen. <laughs> and then Les and, and Peter became lifelong friends being like, yeah, fuck those guys, right? <laughs> and I, you know, there's like little stories like that. Yeah. Um, or like in Joy Division when they uh, they got into a fucking car crash on the highway and all yeah. of their fucking drum equipment went flying out of the car and like Peter Hook looks out the window and sees Ian Curtis chasing a drum down a fucking, <laughs> just down an embankment, down just rolling down, chasing the drum like he's a fucking Muppet. <laughs> <laughs> like little stories like that that we just, you know, couldn't couldn't keep in. Or like, can I tell a couple more? Go, of These course. are fun. Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah. Like in the Cramps, uh, the Cramps series, uh, this is like later when they moved to L.A. And so they run into Iggy Pop at a liquor store <laughs> because, well, Lux went over to the liquor store next door to the studio while they were working. And he goes in there to go get a bottle of wine and he runs into Iggy Pop <laughs> grabbing a six pack of Budweiser. <laughs> and so Lux is like, hey. Nice to meet you and everything. Do you want to come say hi to the band? The studio's right next door. So Iggy is like, all right, yeah, I'll go. And he like grabs his like his cans of Budweiser <laughs> and he goes into the studio and he says like, wow, this is great. Nice to meet you guys. Do you have anything you want me to sing? <laughs> and they're like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, quick, find something. Okay, here we go. And that song was Mini Skirt Blues on the Look Mom, No Head album uh, by The Cramps. That's fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was just gonna, I was just gonna go to the store yeah. and up on an album. Wow, you know. He's so game for yeah, whatever you guys want, just let me know. Like he's so game all the time. Yes, <laughs> that's why he's perfect. Yeah. And then there's one where uh, Dave Vanian. Uh, he went, great. yes, when he went to Borley Rectory, <laughs> which listen to the episode on the last podcast on the left for more about Borley Rectory. It's the most haunted house in England. Right, right. And I'm not going to make any Ben jokes. That's Ben. <laughs> but he went to the rectory. <laughs> and according to David Ferrant's uh, website, he said that in 1970, did I say his name right? Yeah. But do you know, D David Ferrant was yes. one of the, the high gay vampire guys. I know. <laughs> so I went on his website again, <laughs> David Ferrant's website. And he said that in 1978, Dave Vanian and his wife, uh, at the time, Lori, they visited Borley Church with Rat Scabies' dad, John Miller. Remember, John Miller was the manager at the time of the dam. Mm -hmm. And that they arrived at midnight and found the church door open. So then they went in. And it was pitch black inside. But once they got to the altar of the church, uh, there was like a blinding flash, like which lit everything up for like a split second. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, they saw shadows of people walking out the door and Ooh. closing the door. And then the police arrived. <laughs> <laughs> because those shadows were actually American ghost hunters <laughs> who called the police. It, this is the weirdest thing. It's like, how you're a ghost hunter. Mm -hmm. you're, you're at midnight. You see Dave Vaden. <laughs> like, like you see him in a flash of a light, like he's dressed like Dracula. Yeah. And then you go, like, I gotta call the police. Help! <laughs> Dracula's inside the church. <laughs> like, how do you <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the devil. Like, like, what are they, they're gonna come in with their nightsticks? Yeah. <laughs> and that was Dave Vanian. That was Dave Vanian. So I thought that was cool. It was a cool uh, little kind of married the two there. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I guess the last one I will tell is the one where the Ramones loved to play Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. 
They love playing it. Uh, they would play it all night because they were always snorting coke all night. Yep. And so, <laughs> um, and Mickey Lee said, the more blow we did, the more intensely we played the game. And Joey Ramone was the most competitive one out of all of them. And they would just seriously be screaming at each other. It's like, no, no, it's Pam Ann. I swear it's Pam Ann. <laughs> well, the, the, what the, the story was that with the Ramones, you could not beat them at geography. Because yeah. they toured so, so much. So much. <laughs> they know the capital of everything. <laughs> and uh, Jared had a question for me as well. He says, who is your personal favorite drummer and who are your two favorite rhythm sections in punk? Uh, personal favorite rhythm sections in punk are uh, Joy Division and The Clash. Because uh, honestly, I'm more into uh, bass players than I am uh, into drummers. And Paul Simonon uh, is uh, my favorite uh, punk bassist. Easy. Oh, wow. Yeah, you didn't know that, did you? I did not know that. <laughs> I also, I have a soft spot for Rat Scabies and Captain Sensible on the first uh, Damned album uh, when Captain Sensible was uh, bassist. But if yeah, if I had to choose a punk drummer, uh, probably uh, Scott Ashton. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with you on that yeah, one. Yeah, the rawness just fucking gets me. Yeah, well, I'm a big fan. I mean, especially studying uh, on Dead Kennedys, I think like Klaus Floride definitely... Did so much. Yeah, love his bass playing. Amazing stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so many fucking great. Yeah, Klaus Florad's definitely up there. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about how much we love Klaus Florad and his <laughs> bass playing. Uh, and our last question is from Zach Kessler. Uh, he said, a friend of mine and I are talking about doing a podcast. I'm just curious what some of the first steps would be. And I would say that the most important thing with starting a podcast is make the show you want to hear, but be careful to make sure it's not the show that only you would want to hear. Yeah, that's true. I have more stories. <laughs> so, Jello, no. No, you're right. Make the show, keep it nice and tight. Keep it nice and tight, yes, because there are so many times on this show and in last podcast, both, where the, there's like stuff that I'm super interested in, uh, but my wonderful co hosts uh, tell me, no, only you are interested in that because it, that happens sometimes. Once they, in a while. Yeah, once in a while. I Because that's the thing. You got to make a show that you always want to make a show that you're going to be passionate about, that you're going to love. And also the show that you're not hearing out there, like the show that you're not hearing that's not being made, like make that show, but also make sure that people are going to want to listen to it, like make sure that people are going to be interested in it. And it's not uh, just uh, masturbatory. Right. And yeah, and two things, uh, big things, I think. Uh, uh, very much with like what you were saying, uh, what we did when we first started No Dogs is that we sent out our first episode to like five or six friends. Yeah. And to get feedback, like like maybe you could send like you do an episode, uh, you record one and then send it to a couple of people you trust, people who would give you be very honest with you about things. You know, you don't need notes or anything, just the overall like, hey, it was great. I like this. I like that. That could use a little work or something. Mm -hmm. I think feedback is very important. Yeah. And don't be afraid to um, re-record. Uh, we do that all the time. Uh, yeah, we do it all the time. We did it. I think five or six times this series yeah. uh, where we recorded an episode and just were not happy with it. And so we went back and uh, rewrote what we had written, retooled, you know, uh, refocused uh, and then went back and recorded it again. And some of those were, you know, some of our best episodes. Like, for example, like uh, the, the fucking Suja series, we recorded 
almost the entirety of the Stooges series all over again because we recorded the first three, we recorded the first four episodes. And then when we recorded the fourth episode, we thought that's what the show is. That's what the show should be. Like, that's it. And so we went back and re-recorded the yep. first three episodes all over again. Uh, and it was hard. I told you I wasn't good at reading script. <laughs> a lot of it was my fault. No, no. A lot of it was, I mean, it was my fault too. We like, had to learn how to work together. We had to learn because we'd never worked together before. That's and, also another good thing with, if you have a co-host uh, or many co-hosts. I think the most important thing is, I've, I've said this to Marcus many times, is like, don't try to please me. Yeah. Don't try to please your, your wife. All right. <laughs> this is not about giving each other what we want. It's like, no. we're both, not, we're not looking at each other. We're both looking at the show. Exactly. What's best for the show mm-hmm. and that's always number one I think uh, always just, just what's best for the show uh, even if I have like a funny little thing it's like is that best for the show no oh Carolina you're gonna have to dump it yeah you know that kind of stuff uh, I, I I think that's that's the second most important thing yeah set your ego aside and always do what's best for the show always what's best for the show whatever's gonna be best for the episode do that yeah yeah uh, and that's uh, what that's we it. got. We're that's done. it. Yeah, we're, we're done. done. Well, let me give a, a, a couple shout outs, though, really fast. Uh, so just to say thank you, because I had a couple friends help me out uh, for extra stuff. Because remember, there was five or six books I had to get done in like a week or sometimes two weeks. Uh, so I really want to thank Grace Peritori, who transcribed Jello Biafra's No More Cocoon's uh, spoken word album. Mm-hmm. She spent like a week on it. I don't know how long, but it, man, it was must have been hard work to make sure I had uh, them like on just like on paper so that way I could work on things and stuff like that so yeah. that was very helpful thank you so much and then my buddy Calvin Cato he outlined Commando by Johnny Ramone just so that way I could have a nice little outline just to kind of get a good idea for everything before I dive into certain parts of the book so thank you he also did Dreadnought by D.H. Peligro and I Don't Want to Live This Life by Deborah Spungen so he was very helpful in that mm-hmm. for the little extras that I sometimes I needed a little bit of help Thank you so much. And uh, and and what about you? Uh, of course, uh, Rich uh, was uh, fucking wonderful on uh, helping me out this season. I also want to thank uh, Annie, Annie Powers, for helping out on Stooges uh, and uh, and Suicide. So, yes, yeah. thank you so much. Yeah, and, and then we got, it, I know people have been asking this, who does the theme song? It's this guy named Jonathan Mann. He's a very talented musician, mm-hmm. and we hired him to just do it. Yeah, that, that was, was it. it. That was it. We hired him. Was like, yeah. can you make it like you know that Richard Hell song? Yeah, that was it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and it's great. And then you know, thank you to uh, Maddie. Of course, uh, obviously she does the artwork at Bloodnos. Yes, and at uh, Rob Oki, he edits the show. He uh, I was editing the show until around uh, when we started Joy Division, and then Rob has been taking over. And I swear to God, since then the quality of the show has gone up. I'm sorry. I'm just not. I mean, I just did it out of necessity. Uh-huh. Out of necessity because it was DIY. I was editing the content and Marcus was putting in the music and now we have Rob. And Rob, you're you're awesome. So thank you. Doing fu- a fucking amazing job. And uh, for artwork, I would like to thank uh, our man Matt Wise. Uh, you can find him on Instagram. He's a fucking amazing artist. He has his own store. You can find him at underscore Y, 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 S, underscore it's four y's uh and he also has a store at shop y y y y s <laughs> dot uh big cartel 
uh, com. Matt Wise, he's fucking, he's amazing. So thank you very much. Thank uh, you. And for, thank you to Mary Kelly to, uh, for doing the quality control in the beginning. Of course. Thank you. And so you see, I mean, it was mostly us, but you know, occasionally we did get help. And so I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. It really did take a lot of people to put this show together. So like, thank you to everybody, uh, who helped out, uh, on making this show, uh, a reality. Y'all are great. And of course, thank you to the listener uh, for uh, listening. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so we're going to be back in, uh, I guess, in two weeks uh, for that interview that we teased. Yes. Uh, and then hopefully uh, then we'll be able to give you a return date for um, season one. 1.5 it's not gonna be too long don't worry it won't be too long at all no no we're actually we're, we already got started on it yeah we've already yes we've gotten we've got started on it uh and i think you guys are really gonna dig what we're gonna do with that. i am so excited i'm very excited I, I this is i love this yeah it's gonna be so much fun uh so our last band for today our next band uh this guy is very very sweet is from portugal uh, and sent us an amazingly sweet email uh, about, you know, how that, you know, he was working on something and then he had some tragedies in his life and put down the guitar for a little while. But then after listening to the show, decided to pick it back up again. It's uh, so good. And it's so fucking so good. So good. Uh, it's, uh, it's great stuff. This guy's name is Mello Morrison. At least that's the name of his project. Uh, it's dreamy shit. It's, yeah. really, it's very cool. It's, uh, it's instrumental. Uh, and we just kind of fell in love with this. Uh, so thank you very much for sharing your story and thank you for sharing your music. Uh, you can find him on Spotify. His name is Mella Morrison. Uh, but uh, this song is called Tinder Tulpa. Uh, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with uh, an interview. So thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.
This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com.